Hello, everybody. Welcome to the call up with myself, Daniel Holloway, and my co-host, Gabe Lloyd. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. A little post-race weekend hangover from the NCL, which is always lovely. That's the best kind of hangover, really. Yeah, I think so. Can't beat a, can't beat a bike race hangover. Uh, you were there. I was watching on TV. And uh, overall... We've got I mean, two pages of notes. We, yeah, we, we do. Did, we did a lot of homework. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um, you know, we came into this race with a few open-ended questions, which, thanks to our listeners and athletes, we got some clarity around, uh, which is cool. Which I think we started off with some questions around these point structures and possibly standings. Where do we end up with that? from that feedback yeah i guess if we're just gonna like dive right into it right we had saturday night qualifying which had points and of consequence right to the to the overall event right so it's like it really mm -hmm. kind of started saturday night and what that experience was and then sunday but i guess kind of yeah some of the big um Sorry for the long pause. Just like uh, storyline telling of points, right? And how they're structured. And we definitely left the last podcast looking at results going like Miami had 130 and Denver had 120. And then it was just like 12, 4, 1, 1, 1, 1, 0. And it's like, well, yeah. does that, is that those carry over? Or was that the event results? And then those are worth a lower point value. So that's, you know, which come to find out is something to the tune of like 25, 2018. These are Omnium points? Yeah, these would, be, we're talking about? these would be okay. NCL Cup points. Right? So these this is the point structure we're going to look at at the end of Atlanta. And this is the point structure that w is going to be given um, the final NCL Cup winner. And I've lost this document but i do believe i know where to find it quickly okay so we can be as educated and give the best information possible oh is this the tech guide that m materialized that may or may not okay. exist depending on who you may are or may not because it's not on their website right <laughs> no. and this is the whole thing that we were trying to figure out we were trying to be spectators on this last one and use the public information so that we could be the super nerd spectators and do some money ball type of stuff and figure out what the points are going to be and why the points are valuable, et cetera, et cetera. And we just, we kind of couldn't, right? The information wasn't there and it took reaching out to our network and, and finding some new information um, to, to reveal what these Omnium points were. So, yeah. so I have them I'm reading off the list, the information I was given. So it's all right. 25, 20, 16, 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2. Those are our NCL Cup points after each okay. event. Right? So if you went out, you would win with 75 points. Okay. And so... I'm confused. I don't get it. And I don't get it because now I'm I'm still on the website. I'm looking at NCL, nclracing.com slash results. And it says, it's, is this not been updated? I mean, I don't see the 75 point thing. Did they just change this? 25 point thing. Oh, God. Right, so yeah, if you that. if you win, so so Denver won, no Miami won Denver. Miami Knights won the right. Denver oh, right. NCL Cup race. <laughs> right, right, and okay. so th therefore they won twenty five NCL Cup points. Does that mean that Denver and Miami are now tied with twenty five points? With forty five points. What? Because of Miami, right? Denver wins in Miami. Denver gets second in Denver. That's 45 points. Ah, okay, all right. right. Got it. Just, yep, yep. Okay. Right. And then I got it. Mm -hmm. how the teams speak. fall off, I don't know what the other results are. <laughs> other than Roadhouse getting third uh, this weekend. Roadhouse yeah, and Goldman really well. Sachs. Um, and we'll talk about how they were able to do that, uh, et cetera, a little down the line. But so there's our new under... Understanding and education of the NCL Cup points that you can win 500 points on race day to win the event, but that's only worth 25 Cup points. 
Okay. Okay. Then I get. I mean, that's yeah. that's sporting that's like normal. we've seen before. That's normal. I can get my head around that. But that was that right. wasn't public information. Right? You couldn't just go on the website and figure out what that was. Right. Um, okay. So, did that information impact any strategy for the teams this past weekend, to your knowledge? Cup point structure, not really. Okay. Um, that's fine. Yep. But what did end up affecting everything? was the race day point format because that was different than Miami. Okay. I believe Miami was points. I believe Miami was 3 2 1 the whole race start to finish every lap. Oh. I think something like that. You know, okay. just flat across the board whereas Denver was 3 2 1 and mega points on the final. Yeah, which was super 30, points. 8, 6, 4, 2, 1. So there was a massive bonus to win. Yeah, massive, massive. And, and there are so, no other preems, right? Or no other nope. opportunities to really jack up points. No, nope. no. Nope. So okay. there was qualifying, right? If you won qualifying, you got eight points that rolled into race day, as I understand it, or six for whatever. Oh, so it was an eight six four two type of thing or something yep. like. Plus your okay. grid qualifying position. Okay, so if you qualify first, you, you get, get eight, eight points. Points. And your team gets. They made these ten by fifteen boxes, you know, mm -hmm. on the start finish stretch, where a team would line up, you know, six wide. Yeah. On the right side of the road, and then on the left side, diagonal back was another 10 by 15 box with second place team, etc. And then there was right. an extra 10 foot window behind team four. The they, red zone. The red zone. Um, which I, I don't understand the terminology or why that was used. Um, I didn't even ask for clarity of that. <laughs> uh, I think it was just trying to be a kitschy, you know, item. It's, uh, it seemed arbitrary. It seemed, yeah. Because uh, as we know, like, for the most part on most courses where you start in the group if you are a top 10 percent rider doesn't matter you know it, yeah. it really doesn't like i could respectively start in the back of 95 percent all crits and be in the front within a handful of laps and my whole race was very impacted zero or very little um you know it definitely sure. impacts guys that you know are the guys that work 40 60 hours a week and only ride like eight hours a week you know they definitely want to be as far forward as possible um yeah but if we're They're talking about a, it, an absolution like if it was a head-to-tail professional peloton where you start doesn't really matter um but i can see the grid the, like you've experienced red hook you do it in your events the grid mm -hmm. is pretty right yep. um the effort put in to get a grid spot is a story in itself and I think that's what it felt like was the, for lack of better words at this moment, pomp and circumstance of the visuals of what the NCL is trying to grow into. Okay. Right? Um, which is fine, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they're and trying I, to create a narrative and a story around some of that thing, some of those things. Yeah, I mean, I certainly appreciate and applaud using something like a qualifier to establish that grid because it's very weekend based whereas what i have to do in easton and somerville right now are using data like historical data of past results which you know there's a margin of error there and it doesn't necessarily reflect the weekend potential of somebody's rider all the time for the most part it works out yeah so but, let's um, let's let's like tackle that for a few minutes on you know qualifying type events for a grid position or a you know if you do it saturday night Sure. event for qualifying or points or what have you and then that rolls into a sunday is what format is best what is you know unanimously kind of exciting right like and if we're again we're talking about if we're trying to think of the ideology of what the ncl is trying to build right which definitely seems more of a online streamed televised product yeah what is a saturday night event or a qualifying event that is going to be the most successful. 
Because I think it's two different things. If you're trying to do, if you're in-person product, what you're going to present and try to achieve is going to be not for that format, completely different than what you're going to try to do for a digital experience. Okay. So digital meaning like broad, streamed like broadcast. Stream? Yep. Any, any of those kind of type things. Sure. I think, I think it's two different products and two different, um, yeah, things that you would, you would do to try to maximize that experience. Um, so yeah. what they did for the NCL was Wahoo's big sponsor. So they had six Wahoo bikes there and they had it set up where it was one lap of the, of a course. I think they did, um, the distance of the Denver race and it was presented okay. just as a rectangle, um, on the, on the, the TV behind everybody. And so everybody okay. got like an easy lap, you know, kind of spin the legs and then everybody got to the line and then they did a countdown and then standing start 1.4 mile effort. Um, yeah. And it was fastest man, fastest woman from respective teams that would win their points to their grid position. And in okay. person, that was anticlimactic. The, the storyline wasn't that great. Um, because there was just so much going on. Um, and what do you mean? Like, so there was no grid, there was no like round Robin type of elimination. Style, no, it's just, what? it's just one effort, right? Just go out and do your time trial and your team is done. Would the winner sit in a hot seat? No hot seat. What? No, no separate, you know, screen, you know, putting up fastest times, right? Who's leading, whatever else, right? And if you want to add more layers is, could you do, I'm sure, right? And everything just costs money and, and energy, right? Allocation of resource. But if, say, your male rider sets a time and the woman, you know, the your female rider rides, mm -hmm. you get like a live change, right? If they're yeah. winning or if they're like behind, are they still winning? You know, that changeable graph. I guess. And I sure. get that that's probably low on the totem pole. For, like you got to get your startup rolling and operating and then start adding some of the details, but they sure. didn't have a live leaderboard. They didn't have a hot seat of, you know, who's the fastest at this moment. Right. And, and did somebody get knocked off or whatever? And we could see sure. that like Denver, their Riley smashed the men, like, you know, won his, won the male category by a solid, margin and okay. Denver's female rider didn't do that great. And they ended up at the back of the grid or towards the back. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you, you have to have two riders, right? They didn't have to do do well to get your low accumulated time to therefore get a higher grid position. But, but so I they, sorry. <laughs> um, but by the end, like last heat was done and the place like, cleared out pretty quickly. Like everybody just dispersed pretty fast. Yeah. And it wasn't until a little fact checking, right? Some math, whatever else that Dave told got back on the microphone. It's like, okay, everybody, we have our winners. And it's like, there wasn't a celebration for it. There wasn't a podium. There wasn't a presentation, hmm. you know, of here's the winning, here's the winning duo, right? Who was second? Here's third. You know, right. none of that experience. It was just like, uh, in the moment, like when each hit heat, went on, it was loud. Like there was a lot, everybody was paying attention to that thing, a lot of cheering. And that's good. It's okay. a, it's a short effort. So it's like, there is a bit of a race to the line, right? So there was climax kind of per thing, so to speak. Um, but I personally feel that a, a round Robin type situation yeah. where it's like, you have to win out. And then there's this massive, um, climax at the end of like a winner <laughs> you know um, yeah i mean there's ought to be some sort of celebration or even a one-on-one -on -one type of final effort I, I, you know you and i both did the athens twilight trainer race things right and i remember one year we went we went back to go watch the finals and uh uh john murphy won that year when he was on kenda five-hour energy and he had just come back from like racing with BMC on the world tour. Yeah. So he had all sorts of strength that year. And 
it was great. Like you, it was it. I remember it being very exciting and standing there in the streets the night before Athens and cheering Murph and the rest of the guys on. And there was like real energy there. And it made starting the next night really, there was like kind of this interesting, like cool buzz about it. Um, it, My point is like some of these ideas have been done before. Why not just copy them to start and then tweak them to meet your format? It seems like there's a lot of, this perceived like start from scratch thing. And I, th- I mean, that's like a, one of many lanes to discuss about, you know, the NCL and kind of their initial push to market, right. They're mm. branding and saying, this is the NCL. This is who we are. And this is what we're doing. And it was very much counterculture, if you will. Like we are not following the path that air quote has not been working. We are doing something completely different. And okay. in some of these aspects, we can see a little bit of that stubborn mindset that anything that's done before didn't work or wasn't good. Therefore, we cannot do it. And we have to do something else. Mm. And so I mean, uh, that I initial this- mindset we've seen, and it can be frustrating, right? Yeah. But we've also seen on the other foot, like, you know, that they are willing to change and adapt and experience it for themselves right? Like foolishly go, yeah, that didn't work. And it's like, you kind of had a few people that have done it, tell you that it does or doesn't work. And they've had to experience the self. It's kind of like being fathers to young, young ones right now that it's like, dude, can you just not? And I would imagine we're going to continue to deal with that as our kids get older. And it's like, dude, I'm just trying to save you a little bit of headache and get you a little further forward. (laughs) Um, but I do, I do really respect the fact that the NCL is willing to grow, will it, willing to pivot, willing to listen, um, to change and get better and change and grow. Um, okay. And so that's, well, that's good. a great positive out of such a new, new entity in the, in this world. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I, yes, I applaud the fact that they're not going to be stuck in the mud with their like perspective and be like my way or the highway. I just feel like there's a whole lot. We've been racing bikes in America for a long time. And the fact that I can very specifically pinpoint something from God, what was that? 10 years ago. Like, yep. We've, we've, there's, there's On a little bit of trainers, the, right? <laughs> like, yeah, <I> mean. <laughs> exactly. Like there was Zwift didn't exist. And, yep. and, Gene and Ashley and that whole crew down at Swagger did such a nice job, like creating this thing. And Chad Andrews was like screaming at us and whatever, like it was this thing and it, it, it worked. And so again, I, so listen, we're not going to beat this dead horse. It it was what it was from afar. The qualifiers had absolutely no impact on my spectating. I had no idea that I was even like a thing. Like I just like, so you're saying on the stream, other than seeing the grid, there was no information or storyline told on the stream of what happened Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, honestly, your posting to our the call up Instagram was the most information I got about that. Okay, <laughs> like, and that's just how <laughs> no social dude. media worked for me, right? Yep. Like, the call up pod showed up in my personal Instagram story, and I was like, "Oh, what's going on?" And like, there you were, like documenting the qualifiers and i was like okay qualifiers are happening and like there's a dude standing with a laptop like or something going on and it was like okay cool this is happening there's some sweat and then i saw ron short's photos and they're sweaty people and then then i was watching the live stream the next day it didn't it did not have continuity for me but that's just because i'm also living my life and you know dealing with my kiddos and i did not um i i you know i don't think it was live stream it wasn't on gcn so my frame of reference for what was going on there was really pretty cursory, right? It was just like, if it happened to pop up into my feed, then I saw it. And that was, that was the extent to my exposure to that. Yeah. So love note, right? Like just, again, we're just sharing our expenses version, like me yeah. in person and you on the stream. Um, and what the, the story is, is this new league is entering our market and trying to do something exciting and different. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that you were there and you had, and it did create a little bit of a buzz per heat kind of thing is cool. Um, 
But so like, uh, yeah, the transition from that into our, our grid situation wasn't really apparent to me. Yeah. I guess staying on the qualifying, like, um, thought process or train right now, it's just like, is that the right format? It's like, uh, I don't think so. I think it would be interesting to suss out a same day qualification. Like if you show up at, you know, 1 PM and your six person team does two laps right oh that and be, yeah, you have a, a six person team doing a team time trial on the race course and it's your best three riders across the line yeah and your men's idea. teams and your women's teams do it does it and everybody has put and exerted the same effort because you could argue that it's just like it will f- would feel awful to do a full gas six person effort and then be the second race of the day you know like you were going to feel ex- like so bad having to sit around for that hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is while the first race happens and get your legs like back going after such a sharp effort versus like doing that effort and then having that 15 minute window of like, you know, the race sussing the grid out and right, getting reorganized and then into your race, Yeah, you know, but again, everybody's on the same has done the same thing as you have just now. Like everybody's equal in terms of like that, not feeling that great, expending that much energy, et cetera but you would have that in-person storyline that the spectators were a part of the qualifying and that excitement. And again, it's just like another layer to the thing. If you're partnered with Wahoo, all your athletes need to be doing producing data, right? And that's how you, you set your qualifying uh, grid order, right? Coming from track racing, flying 200s are typically, for the most part, structured in a, where each rider technically should be faster than the one before them right yep. and it's part of the building excitement and there's clearly outliers that happen in the all of the timed events right there's just somebody kind of in the middle that just like does a boomer and you're just like that person just in the conversation the whole time and that's what you would want exactly. from yeah. your low level teams is just set a time and nobody's beating it right yeah. um but again your team produces that data at some point early season preseason, and that sets up the first qualifying grid uh, right. run and then that goes that events results right gets flipped and then that's the order of the the next events grid so 10th goes first yada 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 oh that's interesting right so if you're 10th at miami you are now going first qualifying team at denver and you're flying two lap effort oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. of course yeah okay i like that i love that that condensed uh, condensing of the schedule into one day as well right just tightens the whole thing up and just allowing to get your athletes on the course one more time for a real reason is really really good for spectatorship it get it's it's a reason to bring spectators into the venue early than versus this sort of other ancillary events i just love having that concept in in practice i'd love to see that in practice I think, it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be great stuff. storytelling. I think even if you only had a short broadcast window, yeah, I would assume if you had, you know, what we hear from the outside NCL budget is that all of the qualifying could be recorded and edited and produced into a short package to play before the first race goes on, right? So the broadcast, if you're watching on, you know, whatever GCN or, ESPN mm-hmm. or wherever this goes, you will have a precap to the start of the first day to understand what what just happened. Because yeah. this sport at this moment is not getting three hours, you know, anywhere. No. But I think it's possible to do a really good um you know, five minute package explaining the you know, going through the qualifying. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Especially if it's on course, all your cameras are set and all that good stuff, and you can pull that data out. Yep. from Wahoo and do like just some like data nerd stuff and people would eat it up. Yeah, that would be great. And I think I'd we can segue it. into that. Like that's the next talking point is the league has expressed doing new things that have never been done with live data. Oh yeah. Um, it, you know, in terms of opening that door window into, into that. And the only data that we saw live that I saw, right? And, and, you know, 
I was socializing a bit, asking questions surrounding the NCL and point structures and pit lane and, and those kind of things. So I wasn't hard nose watching the jumbo and everything. But what I did see was post race, you know, like Noah Granigan's basically event file was up on the jumbo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you would see on a Wahoo Rome when you hit stop after a ride, it had those yeah. metrics distance, time, max speed, average speed, max power, average power. But I was under the illusion or assumption that those metrics we were going to be able to see during race. Yeah, you know? I, I got that impression from their pre-season stuff as well. Live heart rate, power, cadence, things like that. And so none of that was on the, the stream in any fashion? Whether it was just a blip of heart rate or speed or anything? No, not that I saw. Okay. If I'm wrong, that's fine. You let us know Don't, in the yeah, comments. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I did not see that at all. I saw it. Well, I saw what you saw that summarized file, that card, like graphics card thing that was put up. Yes. Race. Yeah. And then during the races, you know, points every lap. So every two and a half minutes or something, you're getting a points change. And I don't know if it was just like me being hopeful or like imaginary or, you know, what happened. But like when the points were scored, it was very like, Teams got like highlighted and it was like plus three, plus two, plus one, but it was not as big as I would have thought it could be yeah. or wanted it to be. You know, when we watch, again, our traditional sports that that show up and we're used to is like when somebody hits a home run, right? Like your TV screen just lights up, home run, like boom, boom, you know, or a touchdown or a hockey goal. It's, it's, a, it's a big visual explosion. Yeah. And a team is highlighted <laughs> in that, in that thing. But here it was just like, again, a small highlight on the scoreboard three, two, one uh, to, to those respective teams. It wasn't as big as I would anticipated or wanted, I guess, as a fan. Yeah. The graphics package on the live stream was also a little subtle in that maybe, I don't know exactly what they go, what goes into that as far as animating things, once things are going live with live data, but there was not only it was not only subtle; it was also a little bit delayed. So it mean, meant to me, just knowing a little bit of TV production, that there was somebody there manually keying in that stuff. Yep. And I wonder if we could work on that with like chipping everybody's bike. They were chipped, and I, I noticed that uh, that everybody had a chip. Oh, okay. And so there's some there was some sort of delay on the scoring, and I don't know what caused that. I I as I just said, I assume somebody was sitting there with a computer in the truck just typing in like doing some quick calculator math or something because you know they'd be through turn one before the scores were updated from what i remember seeing but again i mean i'm watching two kids so Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know the graphics i guess left a little bit to be desired again and right coming from a fan is like admittedly the ncl was announced and i was a skeptic you know, as I think a, a majority of tenured people in the in the sport were. And as time goes on, I've, you know, I've stepped away from the hard skepticism, you know, seeing it in person, right? It's like, you're pretty in a box when you're like, ah. And then you see the teams launch, right? They have product. They look really professional. They start yeah. showing up to races. You hear all the good stuff, like the riders are getting paid. Like, you know, the, the athlete side of things is uber professional like i've never heard nothing but good things from the athlete experience within a professional organization or professional yep, team so that yep. like okay boom i'm now out of full skeptic into like cool people are getting treated well i like this you know and then go to their in, in there they set up a big task to do events and teams so it's, they're nailing the team aspect now we see what they can do from a event production side and i think that's kind of what we're really you know They've set a tall bar, right? The expectations from a spectator, from a, you know, somebody that was skeptical. And, yeah. you know, like, you guys set this bar. Like, I'm going to keep you honest to it. And so saying, like, yeah, the graphics were lacking is because from all the press that I have read and absorbed, it was supposed to be, you know, pretty lights out. And yeah, it was, I agree. It was underwhelming. Said- they set expectations very high. Also, they were kind of passive aggressive with existing events on the calendar 
of which I'm some of. Yep. And so it was a little bit like, what? Like, we're going to do... They came out of the gate with this dialogue of like, everything that's ever happened before was trash, and we're going to show you why. And we're like, excuse me? <laughs> like, who? <laughs> like, And then they came out of the gate, and I was just like, uh, no. Like, we, there are some things that we do better than you. I'm sorry. And to that end, like, we also reached out and said, hey, we've been doing this for a long time. We have a lot of experience. We'd love to make you success, help to make you successful. And they, they came back with a hard pass. And I'm just like, hmm. You know, that gives me, like, I love the fact, as you said, they're treating the riders well. They're putting money into the sport. And frankly, they're getting new people into the sport. That's great. But you also have a little bit of respect for the history of where we come from. Um, and then for that reason, I feel like, you know, we want to, that's why we end up being a little bit on the critical side, but you know, there's some details that are simple too. So for example, I'm looking at their website right now. I can't tell if this point structure is up to date or not. And frankly, I was the guy that updated the Red Hook Crit website for years with points that night, right? I would stand on stage and do a whole bunch of commentary and then I do a bunch of math and we put it up on the website. I know it's possible. And I, the fact that we know it's possible, it just sort of lends itself to these very like mm, head scratcher moments. And that lends itself to a little bit of criticism, which maybe isn't entirely fair, but yeah. But like you said, like when we, when it's some of their press, right, is built and sold as technology, technology driven evolution, you know, your website and your, social media and, and things like that. That's part of the technology package that you're selling to the fan base. And yeah, when you go to check in on what happened, or maybe they're underestimating the people that were in person checking in the next day or the live people that watched the broadcast feel like they left with all the information that the Monday website experience right. doesn't you know, need to be there right away. Again, those are private boardroom level conversations that we're not privy to, or you know, where how they've prioritized their time, energy, resources, etc. But all we can do from our point of view, as fans, critical fans in some aspects of of this whole thing, is is point things things out. And from you as a promoter, it's you know a little sour and like right, you're taking digs, you are throwing shade where you can throw shade of like I did it better, right? And I ask you know. I said I could help you guys, and you're not doing it better. Ha! <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, which is but fair, right? But It's trying to be gentle love, though, at the same time, because overall, we want this to be successful. It because needs if to this, be successful. Yeah, if this fails, this, this actually keeps money out of the sport. Yep. And so we want them to find success. I just... So anyways... I would yeah. love to, there's, there's a layer to what we were talking about beforehand that I'd kind of like to get to, which was involving um, some of the nuance of this points stuff. So in our pre-broadcast, we had talked about points races on the track and how the, that idea can be translated into these races. And I think in both of our post-race documentation analysis, we both came away with something that was, there just felt like a little bit of lacking, but we came at it from maybe different perspectives if i can tell like and i'll just start with myself here i was saying that i thought an idea like so i came away with the idea that overall the three two one three two one three two one lap after lap ultimately still is not working but that an idea of uh preems might be an option that would be something that we could potentially highlight things what do you think about that idea i don't like the association with a preem and a points like we know premiums like our everybody that's been around is like a premium is a prize like it's ten dollars it's a hundred dollars it's five thousand dollars it's a pair of socks it's box cliff bars it's a pair of wheels it's a bike frame right like that's what we associate the word premium equals you know some cash or product and then we have with you know usa crits you foundation is they have sprint points right and that comes from the tour de france like type there's a point in which there's a there's a line on the ground and that's worth points and so the acc format that currently exists is it's seven in halfway seven to go and those are worth points that go to 
depending on the series you've raced or what have you, is those either go to your overall points accumulation or they're its own individual thing, which is a green or a sprint jersey. And so to have preems in this format, I don't think they're trying to give away boxes of cliff bars or bike wheels or an extra $500. Like that's just a storyline they're not trying or wanting to tell, which is fine. So do we have better outlined point slaps? And, right, how, like, and how many should there be? Yeah, I feel like going back to even every other lap or every three laps or something would be a better opportunity to give us more excitement and give us an give in a pre-race we talked about how in a, a track race there's this moment of calculation that occurs between point sprints that is just again to me was not evident in this three two one every lap thing and so i was wondering if we did like almost more points but well so there's one of two ways of doing it just do a track race right five three two one every three laps or so four laps i mean we have to make you have to make it's hard to make it the same as a velodrome but five three two one or you go big right uh ten six four three two one or something like that just to give an opportunity for somebody to take a rush and just grab some points and immediately catapult themselves up on, on the field. So to counter that is that if we look at a, a points race, you're racing 40 K on a 250 or it's 160 laps sprints every 10, that's every two and a half kilometers. That's every two minutes and 30 seconds, which was the rough laugh time of this crit of this circuit was two and a half minutes. So if we want to go one for one, it's one for one, you know, with a small margin of error of okay. total time yeah. in between when points are earned. It just doesn't, it feels different because in a track points race, there's 10 laps, right? So you can see them, you can see that it's a bit more intimate. On the large format course, you don't see that reshuffling or hesitation or thought thoughts going out or those, right? you know... Um, just yeah, because right. of course structure. So the time in between sprints is exactly like the modern era points race that you and I are intimately familiar with. So then am I actually critiquing the course design? And so there's an element to, yes. Like what is, I don't hate points every lap when it's a large course like this and there's time in between to change your position, right? Or have 30 seconds to talk with a teammate or two. And, and change your strategy. To me, completely fine. Is that lap length the most exciting? Does it allow an in-person yeah. or a broadcast product that continues engagement the whole race? Longer course, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. yeah, I agree. I, th I felt like the long course. So, I, yeah, you nailed that. For me, you nailed that on the head in that my perception was that we needed to skip laps, but in the when you actually look at it from the athletic perspective of the timing of the lap, it was it was spot on. So therefore, the critique becomes: what's our course design? Do the courses have to be more, oof, like seventy-five second laps kind of thing, or or you know where do we find a course distance that it allows us to have a good race but doesn't immediately put the head to the tail because we're we're but I mean, I think two. going to the, like, when you only have 10 teams of five, I think is what was on order. It's 50 people. So 50 people long, you can get away with a 600 meter course, 700 yeah, meter course right. and have, yeah, I forgot that and have some safety, right. In terms of like yeah. it being too easy to lap. Um, right. Being, my frame of reference is like 100 people fields. Yeah. So you cut that in half. So you can also knock off a few tenths of a mile. Yep. Um, okay. what I did like about this course design was that, you know, it came back on itself. So if you placed yourself just past the finish line on the inside of the course, you got to see teams racing for points, go through the long stretch and then walk just across, you know, 40 feet, whatever it was into corner five. And it was corner five. If you look down the road was the exit of the pit corner five and then you got to see the racers kind of go over this like small rise 
So from that aspect is, as a spectator, you got to see quite a bit of racing versus just a big square where it's like if you're placed, you know, you've got to like watch them go by and then maybe there's a jumbo you can watch to see what transpires. So that was pretty cool. And I think that if we talk about course design and things like that, it's like, what if you made a T course? And if you think of a T that it's three U-turns, right? And then at a, a very central point of you get on the top of the T, if you will, be the start finish. So if you're in this, that juncture, you can see points gather, then you can see corner three and corner, you know, call it six, right? So like in that zone, that central zone, you can see a lot of racing and you can place a lot of bodies, spectators, etc. cetera, um, to happen. And if that's 800 meters, there's, I mean, you're seeing bodies so everywhere. This, yeah. <laughs> so where my head's going is like, uh, would it be interesting if you have a parking lot, you intentionally go for parking lots so that you can intentionally create tees everywhere you go. And so every city has a T shaped course and creating standardization that way. And so that, fashion, that would be sure. wild. Yeah. You know, but I think right, or another a condensed version of Charlotte, or we know Bank of America, where it's that offset barbell. But yeah. it, that was a long course. You know, it was it was a pretty long yeah. course. Uh, like a punch <laughs> in the face every time. Um, but imagine just making that course design like eight hundred meters. Also, another unique shape uh, that yeah. I think would be. So you're not always locked into a T, right? Like this is like. Um, but, I mean, we do watch football on a 100-yard field, <laughs> week in, week out, right. whatever else. But I think there is yeah. something to standardizing a course to see how teams build and use tactics, right, on a, on a standardized format. Well, I think that there's one layer where, as cyclists, we like variety of courses because some courses suit us better than others, frankly. And yet, but is it for the rider a, or is it for, for a spectator? Like, what do we build? Like, what is, the the rider. what is the NCL building, though? Well, that's what I'm getting at, is that I think that from, from an athletic standpoint, we like variety, but from a spectator standpoint, consistency could actually be a very easy hook and make it very approachable. Yep. And we talked last time about how uh, Dave Trimble for Red Hook Crit in Barcelona, we, we raced at a place called Park Del Forum, which is just a big empty lot. It's a music venue. And it gave him a lot of creative freedom to change the course every single year. And that was fine because the other races in the series were very different, but what if you had you make this this con this consistency you create your 100 yard football field every single time across the board in every single venue and you turn the negative of well you're in a parking lot to a positive of, like we need a parking lot in order for us to create this consistency and, right? uh, just quick question how many nfl teams are there in our nation uh 32, maybe? 32 is Let's the just, number that comes into my head. But so yeah. there's 32 NFL stadiums with large parking lots. I think so. Weird. What if? Weird. What if? Um, so moving on. The we other thing that... 40% like, <laughs> were reasonable. Um, you know, the very interesting dynamic that was... Everybody was just like a... what moment was these substitutions oh how the does the substitutions, substitutions what are they what are they why etc so i have my point of view i heard perspective from people at the event whether that's you know teams you know spectators asking questions or their feelings on it because you are bad cop and i saw you shaking your head when i mentioned substitutions <laughs> go for it because i'm going to change your mind i'm going to change your mind fair enough i mean so watching it from the sideline or from the broadcast the substitutions were very confusing and i think they needed more cameras on this to make it a lot more understandable for our viewership because i first off watching this the, the camera perspective we had available to us is basically like front on the entire every turn was just front on and so i actually didn't know what the hell was going on i thought that like they were changing 
like that there were different bridge attempts or something going on. Like I couldn't figure out why we were looking at different riders at different points. And part of that again is because I'm watching this in a distracted way as like somebody watching two kids. But I mean, I just, I could not understand what was going on. And then I saw this, it was like, I was like, Oh, they're going into the cyclocross pit and they're getting like a new bike, but then they're not, but then like they look different. I don't know what was going on. (laughs) And, and, and then I realized after listening to Frankie that it was in fact a substitution. I, cause I completely forgot about that nuance of this format of racing. And so I realized, Oh, okay. They are swapping this ride. Texas roadhouse is swapping a rider to try to like, I think keep them fresh, but the, the, the exchanges were bad. Like, you messaged me at one point during this thing. You're like, how much time can be gained? And I was like, well, Frankie says two seconds, but Texas Roadhouse just lost two seconds because <laughs> the exchange was just so bad. So um, I, I guess I like the idea of this sort of opportunity to, to give yourself a two-second boost, so to speak, and which could be interesting. You, you've got some interesting notes here in our post-race document, but... I mean, it was very hard for me to initially understand it, but I think that changing the camera angle and potentially giving me different camera angles would have helped me see that there's a rider going in and then that different rider comes out and clarify that. So your broadcast perspective is that it was confusing, not clear, and poorly shot to understand the intention behind substitutions. Yes. In summary. In, in summary, it sounds a lot worse than I thought it sounded, <laughs> but yes. Um, I mean, which is fair, and I can completely understand it. Even from watching the jumbo st- st- screen on there in person, right? Because the pit was quite a far away from the start-finish line. Yeah, again, there was no graphics associated with sub-in, sub-out to let you know. Um, so that's one right. thing that would be very helpful. Um, yeah, from what I heard from great. teams is that the rules of substitution change from event to event. So there's some teams that were confused in the beginning of their race and how substitutions were going to work. And it was like a little bit of a learning curve before Oh, that's <laughs> in live in person. They're like that. We can't do that. We can do this. Okay. And then it was going on, but I don't think that changed the overall tactical ideas that went into that race day. It was just kind of some technicalities. Um, they had to suss out, you know, for a few laps. But I will say, after seeing it live in person on this particular course, and I think it's amazing. I think it adds such a, if you are a smart team and smart bike racers, it is such a tool like that you can use to mm. just kill people. I mean, it, it just oh. like, and I don't think this course made the most of it. Clearly, we saw Texas Roadhouse implement it over a long period of time the best, right? And that was the strategy they told me they were going to do Saturday night. Um, Basically, what they did was, you know, what they did in person. What went to their disadvantage, we could talk about, is like the point structure, right? Three, two, one. So it's like they've done this thing that outsmarted everybody, right? They built their team to execute this plan. And they're out getting three. And... They've got 20 seconds or whatever the gap was floating around. But then you're in that small group behind. You're like, oh, well, I go next and he only gets one point on me. I'm not like that concerned when we already have such a large buffer between that team that's way off the front versus me. So it's not that concerning. Whereas I think if there was better gaps in points, smart teams executing smart tactics should be benefit and be able to like change the narrative, you know, pretty quickly. Um, Right. And to circle back to that points thing, even if they added a five and made it place four deep. So five, three, two, one, just like we see in points races, would that be enough to instigate that sort of potential? Maybe, maybe I think, yeah, again, it's like a right around table of really sussing it out and getting some, bike racers and non-bike racers in a room to be like from a bike racer standpoint this is what i want if i'm an aggressive team off the front right i this is this is the point structure i I would want to favor me and then you have to have the counter of that and like what can we come up with that works works for everybody builds a product um 
But also, like, the other strategy that I saw was, like, as we know, there's five guys off the road. Your team misses. A guy br- tries to go across and is in no man land. And if he doesn't make it, he's dead. Well, here, you can substitute fresh legs in to, to complete the second half of the, the gap. Which, I mean, again, it's it goes to a team that, you know, missed the move and it sways it. But again, if everybody's knowing these rules and executing around these same tactics, it's an extra layer, I think, for bike racers of tactical coolness. To the new fan, it might be a layer that uh, could be confusing or hard to wrap their, their head around initially. But substitutions, I'm here for it. Some of it needs to be cleaned up um, a little bit. Um, some changes in timing, uh you know, weren't as clear to some of the teams on how to execute their best uh, thing for it. So, yeah. So, substitutions covered. Uh, What else did we have here in our notes? I guess, like, just kind of, we got to start wrapping this up. Um, Don't want to keep you guys too long. I mean, we could go on forever, but... Yeah, we pluses, can nerd out on this all day, I think. Pluses, you know, a kind of in our note sheet was, you know, in person, Paris Wallace, um, kind of the face of this whole thing, was kicking around, talking to everybody, super accessible, super friendly, you know, answering lots of questions. That's good uh, So that was great to see that he just wasn't like hanging out in the VIP tent, you know, in isolation, only talking to... Um, that level of person he was really out there getting getting amongst it which i thought was pretty cool to see which we don't always see um all the ncl staff that you know they were kicking around in black shirts didn't see a grumpy face or somebody that you couldn't talk to or ask a question um you know they were all very high energy so that was cool to see Um, yeah that's great but there were a lot of them and so that was like do there need to be that many and again it's just like not trying to poke holes in the ship to be what it is, but again, if we're just kind of be critical to want to see it succeed, there were a lot and sometimes not a lot of standing around. And sometimes like your job is done because you were set up crew and you know, you just are present to be yeah, a face to talk to. Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's again, not trying to be like too, too negative, but there was just a lot of them. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's certainly some lessons to be learned from the history of, you know, from producing other races that would be interesting to hear sort of how that staffing came to be, but that's a lot of behind the scenes, not really for spectatorship as well. I mean, ultimately I sort of wonder like, you know, where do we go from here? We have another week of this in Atlanta next week. Right. I mean, where's, do you think that changes will be made based on what you've heard? Yeah, I think um, one thing we do here and we've seen is that they are, again, this startup business that is making changes every iteration, which can be frustrating but also um, and confusing, but also like good to see that there's growth, right? And understanding and hearing conversations about past events, what worked, didn't work, to try something out for the next one. So to my knowledge, Atlanta's point structure is going to be different in terms of how the points are earned within the race. The NCL cup points stay the same. Clearly, I mean, like to change that would be absolutely silly. But the point structure for the race day in the event is going to change. We don't know how. I haven't seen anything, haven't been told anything, but I do know that um, there is going to be some change there. Um, Another talking point is pits neutral laps from that side of things if you're so no free laps for flat tires or mechanicals if period there's free lap if you crash so what that means is if you're a four rider team that doesn't have substitution options if one of your rider gets a flat or mechanical your team is now three people But if you are a, a larger team that has a substitution option, if you're a, if you get a flat on the far side of the course, and you, you're off the back of the peloton, the moto official 
radios to the pit to say, hey, left for lack of better teams, Texas Roadhouse has a flat. The pit then notifies Texas Roadhouse, one of your riders has a flat tire, a substitute has to go in when the Peloton comes around. So then they can insert that, they can replace that rider to now have five again. Okay. Um, but if you're a team of four and one of your riders crashes, that rider's allowed to go back into the pit, collect themselves, and go back in to be continue to be a four-rider team. Interesting. So if you're a small team that doesn't have the resources or what have you, you know, that rule uh, allocation is, is not in your favor. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're just unfairly penalizing small teams again. Yep. So there's there's that one. Um, hmm. Let's see. Other notes. Um, so yeah, with the substitution stuff, again, it was one in, one out. So even if you were um, the, the larger team, you couldn't bring two, two people into the pit and then release two people back in. It could only be a one for one. Okay. So there's, there was clarity on that. Um, let's see. Anything else? I mean, I think the, the nice thing about all this is that it sparked conversation and there's a lot of nuances to this. So we've been talking a bit today. We talked, we covered sort of the structure of the competition. Then we talked about live stream. We've talked about sort of course designs. We've talked about spectator, a little bit of spectator perspective based on that course design. I mean, I think moving forward for me, it's going to be a bit around clarity to the spectator base around how to watch this and not so much like, where's the live stream? <laughs> it's going to yep. be, it's going to be like, what am I cheering? Like, what are the points? Like, how do I root for this? How do I get excited about somebody being up or down on points or on laps? And how do I um, really become a fan Maybe that's sort of the marketing uh, like, like idea that needs to sort of be flushed out a little bit here. Because ultimately, when we're talking about this, there's, there's so much potential here, especially with people that really want this to be successful, from Paris to the, his team and everybody else that works on this staff. So, and it seems like the athletes are really there. We touched on the fact that you know, the athletes are treated really well. They're really behind this. They listen to well, our pre-race podcast. And that's they were simply like just the NCL programs, out. right? Those two teams are True. taken care of. But then the eight teams they're competing against don't have a 